Window World is proud to present Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Simply the best for less at windowskansascity.com. Well, I think you probably know we have a great relationship with the boys, and I just mean that affectionately. The boys over at KCMO Talk Radio 710. From my appearances this year on Chris DeGaulle's show after Chiefs games to many Friday appearances with Pete Mundo, who hosts the morning show, Pete's become a very good friend over the last couple of years. He's on the air every morning from 6 to 10 a.m., and this is one of the hardest things there is to do in media. 6 to 10 a.m., four hours of live radio, well before the sun comes up, and to be versed on so many issues that Pete Mundo talks about. He talks about way more things than I do, even on this podcast, because he covers so many local news and political stories in the Kansas City area. He's one of the smartest people I've ever met. He's a very talented broadcaster. He's also the program director at KCMO Talk Radio, and he's younger than he looks and sounds. He has an incredible future, even though he's got a real nice resume already. Pete Mundo has an unbelievable future in the business. I am a big fan. And on this special edition of KKHI, we're going to talk to Pete Mundo about the state of talk radio, the legacy of Rush Limbaugh, and what conservative talk radio looks like going forward and its impact, where it needs to branch out other than AM radio stations, for example, and what kind of an impact this can mean for conservatives in America going forward. Of course, we'll talk about the Chiefs and the Super Bowl and the play called Corn Dog and the future of the Big 12. Pete is the owner and operator of a website called heartlandcollegesports.com. It focuses on Big 12 athletics, mostly football and men's basketball, but other sports as well. Again, he's the hardest working guy I know. He was in Oklahoma for many years when he started in doing sports radio where he started this website, heartlandcollegesports.com, and he continues to do a great job with it today. He loves sports as much as anyone you've ever met. And of course, he's conservative and a politics junkie. We'll get into Biden's future, what the ticket may look like for Democrats and Republicans in 24. It's all right here as we have a great chat with our good friend Pete Mundo of KCMO Talk Radio. It's brought to you by ticketsforless.com online at ticketsforless.com. And of course, they've got a local number, even though they're a big national company now based in Kansas City. You can call them at 913-685-3322 and get great prices on tickets to anything, whether it's Monster Jam, Taylor Swift, Luke Combs, Beyonce, Billy Joel, Bruce Springsteen, ticketsforless.com. Promo code is KKHI. When you're checking out online or mention it when you call them, you will save between 5 and 15% off your entire order at ticketsforless.com. Doug Horn and the Horn Law Firm, Kansas City's injury attorney. Doug Horn is different than the other guys. He's not a, hey, look at me, scream up and down guy. He's the smartest guy in the room. He's also the most reasonable and calm guy in the room. You need a steady hand when something overwhelming has happened to you, your family, or a friend. You've been in a serious car accident. You'd help with insurance company or if you've been injured. Call the Horn Law Firm with 32 years experience in the Kansas City area on both sides of the state line. 816-795-7500. Doug will speak with you personally, and he'll help relax you and put you at ease that things are going to be okay. Because if he's on the job, it's going to work out just fine for you. They're online at hornlaw.com. Or again, call Doug personally. It's a free call. 816-795-7500. For hornlaw.com. Colbert Hills with the Sammy family stay and play lodges. The spring and summer golf seasons are coming. And I've talked with so many of you that say, I've never gone and played Colbert Hills. I say, you got to go play. Why not play it for a couple of days? Stay the night. 
Cater in the dinner. They'll fix it for you there in the restaurant. They can do steak dinners for you or barbecue. You can have your uh, condos all loaded up with your favorite beverages. The stay and play lodges at Colbert Hills are something else. And right now, if you mention the podcast, get a 15% discount to stay and play at Colbert Hills. You can log on to colberthills.com for more information or easier yet, just shoot an email and say, hey, we're thinking about doing this with a group of guys or our office or our clients. It's a great way to kind of do a staycation, spend a night, play 36 holes of golf, stay in one spot and have it all taken care of for you. Joni, J-O-N-I, Joni at colberthills.com. Remember, they'll cater over to the lodges and you save 15% if you mention the podcast. Joni at colberthills.com. And if you're going to buy something from my pillow this week, whether it's pillows, bed toppers, mattress toppers, sheets, slippers, or anything at mystore.com, use the promo code KKHI and save big. These are the lowest prices available at mypillow.com and mystore.com. You cannot save any more than the promo code KKHI. So give it a shot when you go to buy something at my pillow or call 800 923 9034 and let one of their special service personnel help you through this at mypillow.com slash KKHI. Pete Mundo is awesome, and he is here. This is going to be fun. On KKHI, hit it! The KK Has Issues Conversation is presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC. Shop, click, drive at robertsrobinson.com. He is Pete Mundo of KCMO Talk Radio 710 and 103.7 FM, 6 to 10 every morning. You know him, you love him. He's the all-round, he's the first guy in Kansas City that was doing news and had done sports and does politics and everything. So, in a way, he's sort of my mentor. Hello, Pete. How are you? <laughs> well, Kevin, you know, I, I think that uh, you and I, in terms of, and I'm not bragging about us, but I think two guys that are versatile to do sports, news, politics, whatever's going on, weave it all together. Um, I think you do an outstanding job of that. Uh, I think that we do a good job of that as well every morning. And I, I think that, frankly, the more that sports and, and news and politics intersect, uh, guys like you and I are perfectly positioned to take advantage of. You know, it's always amazed me that radio, and we both love radio, the industry, it's always amazed me the narrow lanes that radio carves out even in music formats, a very narrow lane, classic rock, which is a probably most of the songs being played on classic rock are within a 15 to 17 year period of time. So it's not like history of rock or all rock. Everything in radio is this narrow little slice. And I feel like for a long time, there was sports radio, there was talk radio, there was politics. And I just seem to think that combining all that, you know, nobody lives their life like that way. We don't live in one lane have you kind of found the same thing? And what is it that your listeners really like about what you're doing at KCMO? Well, I, I think certainly that's it. I also think like in this town, uh, the Chiefs are news. So I'm not sitting here. I will never sit here and break down, you know, a midsummer Royals game after they fall to 42 and 82. Like, we're not going to do that. Um, you know, when Dayton Moore loses his job, unfortunately, or something like that happens, it kind of supersedes, uh, you know, just sports. But what I'll push back on a little bit, Kevin, is that as someone who spent a long time in sports radio, as, as you did, certainly longer than me, but I think sports radio became political. Yes. It just became political on the left side of the aisle. I mean, I was in the CBS sports radio newsroom the day after Trump won, and I'm telling you, these guys' heads, they thought they were about to explode. I mean, they were so upset about Trump, they brought it to the airwaves in some roundabout way. 
And that's what I saw in my experiences um, in sports radio. I always say that sports radio is more left-wing than news radio because at least in news radio, you have talk, you have Fox News on TV, you got some other options. In, in sports media, you don't really have anything. You know, OutKick is maybe doing some of that. The Blaze maybe has a little bit of a sports mentality to it. Same thing with Daily Wire, kind of. But it is so overwhelmingly on the left side of the political aisle I think that sports radio became political. It got worse during COVID. It got worse with a lot of these social justice movements. Um, so, you know, guys like you and I can kind of find that lane. For me, it's important to balance, obviously, stay as a news program. But when sports becomes political, we're going to push back on that from our side of the aisle, so to speak. Well, I think you've nailed it perfectly. And I, you know ratings and things like that a lot more than I do. I don't follow it as closely as you do now. But I do know this. I know that sports stations across America have taken a hit over the last three years, there's a wide variety of reasons why. Uh, you know, for me, number one was the the sheer number of liberal hosts that were on the air saying cancel sports because of COVID, that we can't play because football players are going to die. Remember, we had a Northwestern yeah. professor that said, football players are going to die if we play college football. Well, my God, the hosts all over the country love that. They said, let's stop football. We canceled baseball. We canceled the NBA. Once they started to show that, and I your your stats would back this up, I'm sure, especially in a place like Kansas City, I got to think close to two-thirds of the sports radio listeners in this town are conservative, and now they don't identify with their hosts. This was a massive breakdown in that industry nationwide, not just Kansas City, but I think it's real, and I think it's lasting, because everybody during COVID kind of had to play their cards, didn't they? Absolutely. They had to. And, um, you know, even those who kind of tried to keep their politics close to the vest, um, you know, they had no choice because there was no sports to talk about. It was all political. And, you know, those that even tried to hide whatever their biases might have been, they showed us who they really were. And I think for a lot of listeners who said, hey, it's kind of like the athlete. I want to know what my athlete's political takes are. Um, I don't want to know what their political leanings are. They kind of learned them, whether they liked it or not. And I think a lot of listeners, whether it's in Kansas City or elsewhere around the country, uh, realized, you know what, I, that's not where I'm at. And I don't think it's unique to Kansas City. I mean, uh, Kevin, we know how uh, men vote in this country and males overwhelmingly are voting Republican. That's just true across the socioeconomic spectrum. So if you think about a medium in sports talk radio that is geared specifically to men, women don't listen to it. And then these men find out, and let's be honest, you're a sports fan, uh, you're, you're drinking beer, you're hanging out, you're going to bars, you're going hunting, you're doing all these different things. You're probably more conservative no matter where you are in America. They find out their hosts are not ideologically aligned with them. They may still listen for the sports takes, but suddenly they've kind of revealed who they are. And there's so many options now. This is not like 25 years ago. I got one sports station in town. I got two. Okay, maybe you got three if you're in Dallas. All of a sudden, you've got podcasts. You've got streaming. You know, people are listening to your show all over the country. We're streaming all over the country. We're getting more and more listeners outside of just the KCMO listening area around Missouri and Kansas. So all that is changing. It's changing quickly. And uh, people now aren't forced into the options that are technically just sitting there on their radio dial. And they're voting with their feet, as we say, in this case, voting with their ears. Yeah. I've always felt like you have to like who you're listening to. You want, you want to definitely want to like who you're listening to. And you have a likability about you that I never had uh, and never will. I just am a little more surly, I guess, or something. And you know, Chris <laughs> DeGaulle is the same way. He's just a very likable person on the air. And so I, I know that that is meaningful for the listener. And I think 
it has a lot to do with how long somebody would listen. You know, how long do you listen to Pete Mundo uh, as opposed to what if you found out, you know, Pete Mundo's just doing sports, let's say, and now we found out, oh, he wants to cancel sports and he's a COVID lockdown guy. Yeah, the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. I may be listening to sports radio, but if I don't really like Pete Mundo, I may only listen for 20 minutes a day instead of two hours. I think there's a big difference there too, isn't there? Yeah, and you know, what time of year is your listening? Like, I, I get it. We understand that the last few weeks, um, I imagine sports radio usually has a, especially in this town, a, a good run, um, understandably so. But what's going on in, uh, you know, a couple of weeks before the NCAA tournament ramps up, right? Before the Big 12 tournament's here. You get to April, okay, maybe there's a little surge for the Royals. Um, but, you know, if they kind of fall flat come May, is it back to Chiefs? One thing that I, uh, you know, and I hear this all the time. This is a big complaint that I get on my show and just personally around town from people that listen to sports radio is it's Chiefs 24-7. And I get it. They're the Golden Goose, Super Bowl champs, everything else. But, you know, K-State fans are saying, hey, can I get can I get more than five minutes on a four-hour show about Kansas State beating KU a couple of weeks ago at Bramlage? Can I get that? Can we get just a little bit of love over four hours? But I think it's one of those things where when you're hemorrhaging audience, you got to just play the hit over and over and over again, kind of like Top 40 radio, and just hope that enough people hang around for that instead of having a little more variety. And that's the big thing I'm hearing from just people around Kansas City. Hey, KU is still a top 10 team. They can make a Final Four run. Look at what K-State's doing. Mizzou's not having a bad year, even during the college football season. K-State wins the Big 12 title, and they barely get any love. Um, And I think that's you know going to be ultimately – part of their demise to some degree. Well, I think this is where you got a sweet spot with your show. I know you get a chance to do sports on your show, but when you do news and politics, you're not boxed into bashing on Joe Biden for four hours. I mean, you have so Correct. many local stories and local guests on Pete. What is, what is a perfect show for you? And I, I don't mean executing or saying that you're perfect. Yeah. I mean, if you could, if you can lay down on a piece of paper, a perfect four hour show, what, what would all that include? What would you like to have in some sort of a perfect show? Oh, man, that's a great question. Um, you know, still for me, I got out of sports radio because I didn't want to be the guy, and I really didn't have interest in breaking down games all the time. I just, uh, you know, we did it on Monday for the Super Bowl. We talked about the key plays, the big game, everything else. We did all that. But to me, um, when the politics intersect with sports, I mean, I did a, a couple segments this morning on this ridiculous special to the Kansas City Star, which, my goodness, you want to talk about regs, um, just about this special uh, story to the Kansas City Star somebody wrote out of Chicago who grew up here talking about how the Chiefs should, on uh, the parade day on Wednesday, how they should announce they're becoming the Kansas City Kings. I mean, like, that's the kind of stuff that, first off, it can be entertaining. You can have fun with it. Uh, there's a lot that you can do with topics like that that bring sports into news, into politics, and can just be interesting. I mean, our listener is smart. Um, our listener has money. That's who our listener is. And you got to entertain them, and you've got to work to entertain them because those people have a lot of options. What are you doing that's local, that's interesting, that weaves all this together, that can be compelling audio content? I don't even call it radio anymore, just compelling audio content. So, if I'm mixing some of that, I mean, I think about this week, we already had 2024 announcements come out. You've got Nikki Haley rolling out her campaign. Tim Scott's talking about a presidential campaign. I am, at my core, still a political nerd in many degrees, so I like talking about that stuff as well. Um, so if I can weave all these things together, 
I mean, to me, that's that's a perfect show. I can't do politics 24-7. I just can't. And there's a big misnomer. Like, Rush Limbaugh did not do politics 24-7. Rush's, I think about some of my favorite segments on Rush Limbaugh, had nothing to do with politics. It was him talking about his love for tech or Apple's latest product or device. I mean, he was funny. He was entertaining. It wasn't always hard inside the Beltway politics. Hannity does more of that. I don't think Hannity is all that good radio, to be honest. Rush was a brilliant uh, radio host, and it's because he weaved in a lot more than just politics. And that's something that I think when the Rush Limbaugh story gets told, kind of gets missed. Um, He was an entertainer first and a political guy second. That's what makes anybody successful at this. Be interesting, be must listen to. You know that as well as anybody, Kevin. You achieved it over you know, a quarter century here in Kansas City. Um, and that's how this format can still thrive, but it's hard to find those people. I agree with you about Sean Hannity. I think everybody in the business uh, believes Sean Hannity is the luckiest guy in our business. That's okay. Yeah. He's worked hard. <laughs> Look, the guy works his tail off. He really works yeah. hard. And I'm not saying he hasn't earned what he's doing, but as far as just, I can't, I can't take it. I can't watch his show. I can't listen. I, I just can't. It's the He just takes talking points and regurgitates them over and over and over, and I, I can't do it, which is one of the reasons I put the word issues in the title of this podcast. I, you know, I, I just want to be able to branch out and talk about some issue somewhere that I find interesting. And, and you do a lot of the same things. And this after covering sports for many, many years, and before we get into politics and I ask you about 24 and, and where we are as Americans, let's talk a little chiefs and, and maybe some big 12 football. Pete's website is heartlandcollegesports.com. Does a great job covering the big 12. So we'll get to that in a moment. He's also uh, got PeteMundo.com. I'm guessing you've become, in your time in Kansas City, a pretty big Chiefs fan, and now raising a family here, this is going to be ingrained into the Mundo household. How are these Super Bowl wins going over in your house, and and what do you think of this year's team? Well, you know, I always say everyone's giving Andy Reid and Mahomes all this credit. I mean, I've been here five years. This team has hosted five straight AFC title games and uh, won two Super Bowls. So, I don't know. I'm just looking for a little bit of credit, Kevin. Like, just a (laughs) sliver of credit. Love it. uh, for, For this success. Good luck, Sean, whatever you want to call me. I'm just calling it like it is here on that front um but to your point listen I I when I came to Kansas City I didn't I never had a pro football team that I rooted for growing up growing up I was a I was a Steve Young fan I liked Troy Aikman I'm left-handed so Steve Young was my guy my number my favorite number was eight so I loved Young I loved Troy Aikman uh I really was a player's guy um I didn't you know I grew up around a lot of Giants fans in northern New Jersey they were Yankees fans I hated both of those teams so I never really embraced the local team. Go to Villanova, and the Eagles fans are just the worst human beings in the world. So I hated the Eagles. Um, what I really, what I really rooted for on Sundays in college was I rooted against the Philadelphia Eagles because there would just be meltdowns around campus when they lost games. And that was really when Andy, you know, was losing a lot of those big games and was getting kind of the mo that he had before he came here. So. I loved watching those fans melt down. They were just complete lunatics. They were obnoxious. They were everything you hate about sports fans. So, uh, you know, and then as, uh, you know, I'm in Oklahoma for a few years. I'm back in New York City. I'm just kind of a, a straggler that loves football, especially college over the NFL. And I'm watching the NFL game, but I didn't really have a team. I come out here. Uh, you know, I knew Mahomes from covering him a little bit at Texas Tech. Uh, Andy, I, I knew. And I always liked Andy. I never had an issue with Andy. Um, and you know, it kind of just comes together where I get here. It's Mahomes' first year that he's playing in 2018. They go to that AFC title game. They lose, uh, to the Patriots that year, but suddenly, you know, this thing is off and running. So I embrace it. I just kind of fall in love with the team because 
a lot of young guys. There's a young core. I knew Tyreek Hill from Oklahoma State uh, when we were down there together. Um, covered him when he was down there. So I just had a reason to like these guys. And obviously they're likable even if you didn't really know who they were. And then you combine that with the style of, of what they're playing and what they're doing and embracing, obviously, how much this town loves this team. And I, you know, I'm still a sports fan at heart. I don't do sports every day, but I'm still a sports fan. And I just kind of fell in love with the team and, and, you know, what they stand for and what they mean to this community. And I really respect the fact that the Hunt family in particular appears to really not care what anybody thinks politically. They play the game to the degree that they have to, but there's never any threat of, um, you know, losing Arrowhead on the stadium name, even though we got the GEHA field thing. Uh, they're not going to change the team name. They still are playing the Choppa games, and I can respect all that. So you put all that together, and it's just been, uh, you know, a blessing for me. The family falling in love with it. My daughter, you know, four years old, God bless her, sees Mahomes on TV and starts screaming his name. I mean, it's just great. So it's, it's been kind of a really fun time to be embraced by the city, be here the last five years, see all this unfold the way it has. And, you know, for this season, I mean, what more can you say? They were predicted to win, what, ten and a half games before the season was the over-under. They go 14-3. and three. They win another Super Bowl. And, uh, I mean, it's clear. I don't think it's a dynasty yet. I think you need one more, Kevin. But, uh, you know, you get one more, and then you're, you're officially in dynasty territory. Yeah, I think that's what Andy's thinking, too. And I think he's going to be around for a few more years and make a run at it. I see no reason why they can't win another one. You know, they're on a trajectory here. He's won two in five years, right? So every three, two and a half to three years, they win one. I think Chiefs fans would be real happy with that. With Patrick Mahomes, you mentioned the Eagles fans and the way Philadelphia is. And when you were describing that, I had this vision in my head of these idiots that went out and basically rioted, uh, I guess because they're mad at the official for the call that was made in the game, which is ludicrous and absurd. The player himself, Bradbury, said it was a hold. They all want to talk about it and show the second part of the play. They don't want to show the actual hold and say, look, he did grab him. But these people went nuts. And as I'm watching them go crazy in Philadelphia, I'm thinking two things. One... They made a really big deal in Philadelphia. We're going to grease all these poles so you can't climb them. We're going to do all this stuff because, you know, we're going to win and then you people are going to go crazy. There's something wrong with our leaders when they come out and tell the public, we expect you to riot. We're getting ready for it. And then your team loses and they still do it. And then the second takeaway for me on that, Pete, was these are the people that are deciding our presidential election, for God's sake. I mean, Philadelphia is deciding who's president in this country as much as any city in America. And I don't know very much that I like about Philadelphia, to be honest, or the way these people behave. So you're kind of an expert. I've dropped it in your wheelhouse. Should we be a little concerned that Philadelphia has so much power right now? Well, I will. You're right. 100% right, Kevin. Um, I will just correct one thing because people think all the time that Villanova is in Philadelphia. It's really in a suburb. So it'll be like a, you know, Mid-American Nazarene in Overland Park or something like that. It's really in the suburbs of Philadelphia. So I never spent a lot of time in the city of Philadelphia because even 15 years ago, I mean, it or more, it was a dump. Um, it was just not a place that you'd really want to be from a standpoint of safety and everything going on. Uh, and it's been like that forever. It's finally getting more media attention. You're right. But it's just been a dump for a very long time. And it's too bad because I love the history around the city. The founding of the country, obviously, I love all that stuff about it, but uh, the leaders there have just let it go to a hell in a handbasket, unfortunately. So I agree. It's incredibly concerning. There are no standards in that city when it comes to, you know, like you said, they're greasing the poles for crying out loud, uh, you know, win or lose. And then you see them riot after they lost and they're chanting at the Chiefs. 
So let me get this straight. You're going to burn down. You're going to uh, harass law enforcement in your own community. Not that it would be good if it was somewhere else, but in your own community because your team lost a game and you're chanting F the Chiefs in the process as well. Just doesn't make any sense to common things, common sense people. But then again, to your point, look how they vote. Their votes don't make sense to common sense people. They literally voted for a guy who, God bless him, and John Fetterman appears to be okay, although he just got out of the hospital, uh, sad to say. They put that guy in the U.S. Senate. We can talk all we want about Dr. Oz. He was a bad candidate out of the gates. Didn't connect with people in the in the uh, you know in that state. He's just he's not a Pennsylvanian, so that's a bad start for him. But that's what they're putting in the U.S. Senate. And then, of course, they've got this political machine um, where, you know, with the ballot harvesting and how that game is played, it's not illegal. Democrats played a lot better than Republicans, and that's going to continue to cost them until they wise up. Well, Philadelphia just strikes me as the kind of place that it's pretty easy to find 200,000 fake ballots. Pretty, <laughs> pretty easily. Uh, am I wrong? You live there. You tell me. But as I've watched this unfold, and we've seen what's happened overnight in Pennsylvania, and it's always in Philadelphia it seems like, oh, we'll, whatever we need. We need to find a couple hundred thousand. Let's just go find them. I mean, they are, uh, like I said, they have a political machine. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and I just think that the ballot harvesting game is, is one that they know how to play a lot better. I mean, I look at California. California has had this ballot harvesting forever. Republicans finally started playing it well out there, and they started flipping house seats in Southern California. There's a handful of Asian-American women in Southern California who are Republicans in the House of Representatives because instead of complaining about how the game is being played, California Republicans started playing the game. Now, they're never going to win the governorship back or anything like that, but they can win targeted House seats, especially in minority-majority communities in parts of Southern California where you have blue-collar working-class Hispanics. You have uh, Asian-Americans who have been, unfortunately, on the receiving end of all this woke nonsense when it comes to college admissions. They're seeing through what the Democratic Party is pushing. So, you know, I can't, I'm not on the ground covering Philadelphia to speak to the ballot situation overnight, but I do know this. Republicans can play the game better than, than they have been for years, and I think that can be very good for the party in targeted seats around the country. All right, final Chiefs question here, Pete. Um, the Chiefs can't play much better than they did in the second half of that game. It was perfect. We've now learned that the name of the play, the touchdown throw to Tony, to the right side, is called Corn Dog because apparently the coaches like to eat, and so they name stuff after food. I think Corn Dog sounds a lot better than wasps. Now, I have a wasp phobia. I really hate the things. Like some people, it's snakes or whatever. For me, it's wasps. I can't stand them, so I've never really jumped on the wasp bandwagon from beating the 49ers. I am all in on the corn dog. My question for you, Pete Mundo, is the next time the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, what is the perfect name for the play that wins it for Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> you know what? I think this ties together the history. I think this ties together the stadium. I just want to call it Arrowhead, and here's why. <laughs> I just want to see the meltdown when Mahomes is screaming, Arrowhead, 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 <laughs> and listen to you know all these, imbeciles in sports radio, the Kansas City Star, get so offended and triggered by the fact that they have a play called Arrowhead. I mean, you know, they are going to be screaming about how offensive that is to Native American tribes, and it's going to be beautiful. So I, that's what I want to see, and uh, I'm not going to hold out hope for it, but I'd love to see it, Kevin. It is getting hard to take people seriously when they're offended by stuff. I mean, this really yeah. is getting hard. And I, you know, I, I know this person, you, you commented about the story in the star, the opinion piece. He wants to change the name to Kings. That's offensive to me. My ancestors are from, uh, from the kingdom. 
and we fled the kingdom because there was no taxation without representation. And we're offended that they're trying to remind us of when we were oppressed and had to leave the United Kingdom and come over here and start our own country. I mean, you literally can find oppression with your ancestors anywhere on this planet if that's what you're looking for. I'd say the same thing about the royals. I don't like the royal yeah. family. My ancestors all fled there and came here because they didn't like the kingdom and the royal family. I'm offended by it all, Pete. Absolutely. I mean, it, listen, but the problem is you are rewarded for finding a way to make yourself out to be a victim in 2023. I mean, you are part of the club if you are a victim, if you find out a way to be you know, part of the victim club, so to speak. And, you know, it's funny. I, I see these memes now popping up and I think they're great. Like, you know, you think back a generation or two ago. Uh, you look at a family, a nuclear family, and, you know, the kids will be dragged to church and everything else, and, and the kids will be kicking and screaming. Now, the way to push back, the way to kind of be out of the club, so to speak, is to be a kid who says, you know what, I'm a Christian, I'm going to church on Sunday, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. That's how you are now outside of the club. That's how you're not part of the in crowd. When it used to be the kid who, you know, had all the tattoos and the dyed hair, he was the rebel. Now, if you're a, a young Christian in today's world, you're the rebel. The people that are conforming, they are everything that they used to hate. And it's just so ironic to see that come full circle. Mm, interesting. That's spot on. Okay, the website is Heartland College Sports. And you cover the Big 12 like nobody else. It's great. I go there all the time. I keep up on Big 12 sports. And one of the recent pieces you have up is the Big 12. We've got this. We know what the Big 12 is going to be. We know they're looking for more schools now. And it looks like they've got a good television package in place. The Pac-12 is really struggling. So before we talk a little bit about where the Big 12 is competitively during basketball season and maybe even your thoughts on, on football and what happened there, how is this conference now positioned going forward and how did it get so far ahead of the Pac-12? Well, all the credit goes to uh, new commissioner Brett Yormark. I mean, this guy came in, uh, he had no college sports pedigree. Kudos to the university presidents for deciding to go ahead with this guy. But I think the big 12 needed, and, and they wisely looked at themselves and they said, Hey, we're not going to be the sec. We're not going to be the big 10, but we can be the clear number three conference in America. How do we get there? And they went outside the box a little bit. Uh, they brought in a guy in Brett Yormark, whose background is really an MBA background. He was with the Brooklyn Nets when they moved over from New Jersey he built up that brand. Um, he was then with Jay-Z's operation as well, a rock nation. So this guy was a wheeler and dealer, knew, knew the sports landscape, maybe didn't really know college sports and, you know, the Oklahoma State fight song, but who cares? That wasn't really relevant to the next step of what the Big 12 had to do. What he did, and the most important thing that Brett Yormark did, is he beat the Pac-12 to a new TV deal. He got the Big 12 TV deal to market early. And he got the Big 12 a TV deal beyond its current deal, which was set to run through 2025. And he got them extended with ESPN and Fox through 2031. Uh, the Pac-12 thought that they were going to be the next up because their deal ran through 2024. So the Pac-12 said, okay, the SEC deal is done. The Big 10 deal is done. The ACC deal has been done forever. We're next up. We're the next in line, so to speak. Well, Brett Yormark said, in the words of Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. And he got through his relationships, he got a deal done and he got the Big 12 to market before the Pac-12 had a deal. He basically cut a deal with ESPN and said, hey, you want us, worry about the Pac-12 later, we're your best bet, and here's why. And his relationships got the Big 12 a TV deal beyond the current contract. And now the Pac-12 sitting there with 10 teams, 
USC and UCLA are going to be gone. You've got a recession here that's hitting advertising across the board in the first quarter that could impact the entire industry in 2023. And the game that ESPN, Fox, and the rest are playing is what do we need? Is the Pac-12 must have inventory and content right now? And the answer is no. I mean, do you really want Washington State, Oregon State on a Saturday night? And how much are you going to pay for that? The Big 12 is going to be north of 30, 40 mil a year. It won't be SEC Big 10 money. The Pac-12, George Klievkov is their commissioner. He thought that he could get them 30 to 40 million. That's what he was telling his members. And now, according to some reports, they're looking at maybe 20 million. So if you're Oregon, if you're Washington, you're saying, whoa, this is not what we signed up for. So this could be a house of cards. I think it is a house of cards. And the Pac-12, the timing is terrible for them. The Big 12 beat them at their own game. And they're left holding the bag saying, what's next for us? Mm. It is just remarkable what a good situation the Big 12 is in. We get one squirrel a year here where Oklahoma and Texas remain before they leave. Then after that, I, I, you know, most people I run with are saying they think what will happen or what your mark wants to have happen, although I don't know that he plays his hand completely publicly, is to add Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado to the Big 12 and take all those mountain time zone teams and you can kick off in Orlando at, a, at you know, 11 a.m. and you can have 9 p.m. kickoffs out west in your conference and cover every single time zone. That would take the Big 12 to 16 schools. Do you think he's going to 16? And if so, which four do you think he'll add? Yes, I think he wants to expand. I think he wants to move quickly. I mean, just last night, or I guess this would have been uh, Monday night, the Pac-12 put out a statement on how they're unified in their commitment to one another. Uh, I mean, that's just, uh, <laughs> when you're putting out statements on how unified you are, you're not unified. You know, <laughs> I mean, right. that's a joke. So clearly, I think the Pac-12 as a... Um, as a conference, knows that your mark wants to poach and he wants to move quickly and he wants to get some stuff done. And to your point, you know, those four schools make great sense to me. There are Big 12 fans who say, I don't want Colorado back. Screw them. They left us. I would take them back in a heartbeat. You ask old school Big 12 fans, they will tell you one of their favorite road trips was going to Boulder. And that's before, you know, Colorado legalized marijuana. So it's not like they were a bunch of stoners wanting to go out there. Like, it's just a great college town. I get it. They're super liberal. But if we're going to just have, you know, college conferences based on who's conservative, I mean, there's not many of those out there. So let's just be realistic about this. What's good for the conference? What's good for building the brand? You will bring back some old Big 12 North rivalries with that. That'll be cool and fun and, and, you know, actually adding to some history in the sport, which is needed. And then the Arizona schools, you got two monster universities there. Arizona State has 75,000 students on campus. I mean, that's just an enormous number. You add them into the equation with Arizona, that's at about 50,000. Arizona in particular kind of pulls kids from all over the West Coast and even across the Midwest to some degree. Uh, I know people from the East Coast that ended up going to Arizona. So it's a fairly national university. And then Utah, the great thing about Utah is Salt Lake City and just the state of Utah is one of the fastest growing states in the country. Um, You bring in Salt Lake City, a decent top 25 media market. And then you bring in the Holy War, BYU and Utah, into a conference game, which is must-watch TV. you got to have that game every year if you're the Big 12. It will be a staple game on the Big 12 schedule because the Big 12 will lose some of the key rivalries that have kept it going for a long time. Utah and BYU becomes a must-watch game, a high-quality inventory game for ESPN or Fox. I I think it makes uh, perfect sense. I know people talk about Oregon-Washington, but 
Um, I think they have their eyes set for the Big Ten. Whether or not that happens, I don't know. But I'd be worried that Oregon would kind of want to play the game of Texas and try to run the show. And I don't think that would work on your Mark's watch. I mean, he's a no BS kind of guy. But I am very much into those four-corner schools, as they call them, in Utah, Colorado, and the Arizona schools. Do you think we're headed for the Big 12 football championship game rotating and the men's basketball tournament rotating locations? That's a great question. What I do know is this about your mark and and knowing some of the people around him. He wants to make these Big 12 events staple events with more entertainment, not just the game. He wants them to be pure entertainment. I know that when he came to Kansas City, he didn't get Kansas City. I know that for a fact. He didn't understand why we'd have this Big 12 tournament in, in, you know, a, a top 30 Midwest market. Then he came here. He saw the city. He met with not just city leaders like Kathy Nelson, who runs the Sports Commission, but just got a feel for power and light, what it's like around March, what this whole scene is like down here, and he got it. So I know he likes it. Now, whether or not he'd want to move it around to Dallas or Oklahoma City or Houston or who knows where, um, I don't know. I think the Big 12's got a great situation going where you've got Jerry World on lockdown for the Big 12 championship. I don't think you want to lose that. I don't think you want the SEC trying to take Jerry World from you for football. And I think, you know, the reality is for basketball, the schools in driving distance from Kansas City, KU, Iowa State come to mind the most, um, and to a lesser degree, maybe K-State, although K-State fans will show up when the team's great. So they'll be here in full force, I imagine, this year. Uh, They're what makes this thing work. I think if you move that around, uh, you're not going to have that same kind of uh, enthusiasm for the tournament that you would have, uh, you know, right now in Kansas City. So I'd advise them against it, but I do think your mark has larger ideas, and it would not shock me if that day does come. I would offer this up for anybody that wants to take a spring break trip and see the Big 12 tournament. You can ski the mountains in Utah. You can play golf in Phoenix. You could go to Disney World in Orlando. Hell, they might even go to Vegas and play this thing. There are all kinds of places to play this basketball tournament. I don't see any way Kansas City keeps it permanently. I think we stay in the rotation and maybe even heavily, but these other cities are going to want it, and I can't think of a very good reason why every four or five years it's not in Orlando or or Phoenix or something like that. I mean, if that's where this conference is going, you got tremendous spring break destinations sitting out there to play this basketball tournament. And I think the expansion conversation also to your point, Kevin, will play a role in that where yes. it's like, okay, uh, if it is the Arizona schools in the mix, that makes sense. If university of South Florida, USF, you know, somehow works its way into a big 12 down the road, then Orlando makes sense. I think it's tough if they do the one-off schools, if you just have UCF, how many people are going to Orlando? You're right. Maybe they say, hey, spring break, I'm going to golf. I'm going to go to basketball games. It's going to be great. Maybe you're right. Um, but until that day happens, yeah. uh, I would be against it. But I get why your mark would be for it. Yeah. And there's also a lot of places to play football. There are. There yeah. are. Jerry World's the, the best place. I, I, I get that. Arrowhead's not bad. Houston would be great. There's all kinds of cities we're talking about here where you could play this thing, including Orlando and Phoenix and Salt Lake City and all kinds of places. So I think that gets really interesting. And it will be interesting for me to see if the athletic directors and presidents, not necessarily Brett Yormark, do the ADs and presidents think, hey, this might be better for the Big 12 to move this thing around. And, you know, we cultivate like 12-year-olds that live in Salt Lake City or something. We have a football game or a basketball tournament one year. And all of a sudden now they kind of like the Big 12 even more. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it works like that, if there's really any grassroots thing about having events in the city that you're growing up in. But if that were the case, moving it around could be good for 
eventually at some point recruiting, getting kids to go to your schools, all of these things. I, I, I do think movement could be good for the universities themselves. Yeah, I, I do. And I think the other part that I think actually works on the political side of this is uh, what are the cities that may be interested in this? What are they right. bringing to the table from, uh, you know, hotels and, you know, tax incentives potentially? And, you know, what does that do for the Big 12's bottom line? Uh, you know, I think that those are conversations the Big 12 would be dumb not to have. But I am, and I admit this, I am a uh, sucker for, you know, what this town does, how power and light, you know, you think about those, we get those days in March. Now it could be snowing like last year at the Big 12 tournament, but you get those 60 degree sunny days in mid-March and power and light is just, you know, flowing. People are having a great time. The bands are on stage. I do think it's a really cool scene, but I understand to what you're saying and to what your mark may be thinking that may be antiquated in terms of where the future of college sports is going. All right, before I ask Pete a couple of uh, political questions, including 2024, I want to thank a couple of our sponsors here at KKHI, including Advanced Medical Imaging, online at medimageks.com. See what's inside at Advanced Medical Imaging. Get your heart scan for under 100 bucks. Find out your plaque score. Make sure that you're healthy. You should do that once a year, online at medimageks.com. Fry Orthodontics with 13 locations in the Kansas City area. Dr. Jeremy and his team would love to give you that perfect smile for life, whether it's Invisalign or braces. It's the same price. First appointment's free. Log on to fryorthodontics.com. And, of course, my buddy Gary Joslin and his team over at Joslin's Jewelry, 95th and Antioch, which is where we need to send Pete when it is anniversary time. When your anniversary comes around, Pete, let me know. Maybe we'll go shopping at Joslin's together. I'll meet you over there one day when Gary is in. We'll see what kind of really yummy stuff has. Because I haven't bought anything for Jessica over there in a while, and I need to make a visit as well. So that's always a great place for an anniversary. What, uh, what month were you married in? I, uh, we got married in August and I will not, I, because of my respect for you and the show and your advertisers, I will just say I have an unnamed competitor that I advertise for on KCMO, been doing it for four years. So I won't name them, but I can't, (laughs) I love Jocelyn, but I just can't do it. I can't do it as someone who's been advocating for another place in town for four years. All right. Well, let's rewind the tape and we'll talk about when your kids need braces. Okay. We'll see you. <laughs> that we can do. I don't have a braces endorser. Okay, there you go. All right, we'll see about getting Dr. Jeremy on with you. When your uh, kids get a little older, let me know because he can save you a bunch of money if you want to do the endorsement, brother. I'm gonna promise you that right now. A whole bunch. All right. What, what do we have? What do you make of? First of all, all these UFOs. I don't know what else to call them. They're UFOs floating over America. They send John Kirby out. They send KGP out. I, I'm not, I don't feel good about either one of them. There is no president to speak about this. He's not reassuring the American people. Nobody thinks he knows what he's doing in handling all this. What is this? And can you could you have ever imagined any point in your life as an American where you were less confident in a president handling something that we literally don't know what it is? No. Uh, the short answer is no. And it's just crazy because I think about an interview that Biden did with Telemundo uh, late last week. And he's like, hey, you know, this thing that was floating over the U.S., it's not a big deal. It's not really anything to be worried about. And now he's shot, what, three in the last handful of days? It's like, well, which one is it? Um, The transparency or lack thereof from the administration is, is appalling, to your point. Now people are talking about UFOs. I mean, if you just want to be honest and and not allow the supposed conspiracy theory or whatever to run rampant, then just say, hey, here's what's going on. Here's why we're doing this. And just be straight about it. I mean, Karine Jean-Pierre, forget, 
you know, being able to explain this, she was calling Canada Canadian on MSNBC yeah. the other day. I yeah. mean, the fact that that her lack of knowledge and frankly lack of intellect is supposed to explain to the American people what's going on here is a disservice. It is, uh, you know, just a complete letdown to the American uh, constituent who's trying to follow this story. It's embarrassing. So to your point, um, I have zero faith in these people doing not just the right thing when it comes to foreign policy, but then explaining to the American people what the heck is going on. Uh, They're not doing it. They're not being transparent. They preach transparency, but they're not even really being transparent in any way. And in terms of trying to figure out what this all means going forward, I don't know. But I do know this much. The Chicoms have zero respect for us. They are putting out things in their state-run media saying that this is all making Biden look weak. They're disappointed in America. Um, and they're, they're challenging us. I mean, we're kind of in this weird uh, place right now. I think we're living through history without necessarily knowing it because we're in the early stages of what's to come. And uh, from a political standpoint, I think that things are worse off than than most of us realize who just go through our day to day lives and aren't thinking about these these global issues and these foreign policy issues. Well, this is exactly what Iran and others did to Jimmy Carter in the late 70s. This is this may be worse, but we may be living in a time where things are so good for so many that they just look the other way. We're a pretty superficial society. Everybody's on TikTok and Instagram and looking at models and doing all and not paying attention. And I, I do think that is a downfall of our Republic right now is not enough people are really paying attention to what's going on, but I don't, I'm, I'm still not one that believes Joe Biden is running until I hear him say it. And that he's actually going to go out there and do it. I don't believe it. Now, that being said, I think he's going to be primaried. I, I don't think the Democrats are going to line up and say, okay, if the Obamas say we can't run against Biden this time, we can't run and we won't do it. I think they'll come after him if he does run. And I think that he's got to, I think his wife should probably tell him, look, if you do run, they're still going to run against you and you're probably going to lose. I think he's going to step out. What do you think is going to happen on the Democrat side in 2024? You know, I keep thinking he's going to step out as well, but I think he's, understandably so, has a little pep in his step after the midterms, you know, did not turn into a red wave. And I think he's sitting there saying, hey, maybe the American people like me. Maybe I'm not as bad as, you know, what we've been hearing here over the last uh, year and a half or so. Now, he certainly is. He's worse. But in his own mind, he might be trying to convince himself that he's in uh, better shape. Here's the best thing Joe Biden's got going for him. There is no bench. I mean, you know, Gavin Newsom, the guy who runs the most incompetent state in America. I mean, Pete Buttigieg, who's overseen airline debacles, cargo debacles, train debacles. I mean, he's going to pop up there, the former mayor of South Bend, Indiana. The Republican bench, and this is not me being a partisan by any stretch, the bench for the Republican Party, anybody should be able to admit, admit this, is far superior and is far deeper than anything the Democrats have had. That's how Joe became the nominee to begin with, you know, three years ago now. So unless someone like Michelle Obama decides that she wants to run, I don't I don't see who would actually end up beating Joe, because I think the moderate Democrats and enough of the left wing, if it's one of these other characters, would simply say, you know what, Joe's Joe's losing it, but uh, he's the best we got. But if there is that rock star, it's Michelle Obama. I think they're going to make her run. And I think she's Babe Ruth on the bench. I don't think oh, there's I any agree. I don't think there's any beating her and I think she's president for 8 years and I think we're in real trouble. Yep. I completely so, concur with that. I, I pray I, for Biden to turn it around. I want him to run and be the candidate. I don't want Michelle yeah. Obama. I think four more years down the road 
maybe Michelle Obama's time has passed. She'll be a little bit older. And, you know, I, you know, I'm trying to run out the clock here on Michelle Obama because America will vote for her for no reason at all. I'm not saying she's qualified or would be any good. They just would. And they'd say, well, at least we got the steady hand. Her husband will be there as well. At least he lives there. You know, that's what a lot of people are going to think they're voting for Barack Obama for eight more years. If they do that, I don't think there's any beating her. And I know she has said she doesn't want to run. I don't believe it for a second. I don't trust Democrats. They will do anything to win, including brokering some sort of deal where they tell her, you only got to work 20 hours a week. We'll do the rest for you. I mean, they literally could broker that deal for her. They know she would win, Pete. She scares the living daylights out of me. I mean, Biden's given her the blueprint, too, to really do the job without having to do anything, right? right? I mean, the guy literally goes down to Delaware uh, on a weekly basis. He doesn't really speak to the media a whole lot, especially not in one-on-one. He's just kind of there as a figurehead. And, you know, they can say to her, hey, you can go to Martha's Vineyard. You can sit on the coast of Martha's Vineyard all summer. We'll take care of it here. You go back and forth every weekend. And, you know, we'll be fine. And you just kind of be the face, the pretty face of the federal government. Um, They've got that blueprint down pat. So I agree. The rigors of the job uh, don't necessarily have to be there. The American people don't really have the standards that they expected of presidents in the past in terms of how much work they should be doing and what they should be doing. So that's there. The foundation has been laid. Uh, If she wants it, there's no doubt it's hers. Okay, and on the Republican side, it, it's starting to look to me like, you know, the the loyalists to Trump are such a big number. They're not going to switch. The people who really love him are not going to switch, I don't think. I, they, and they can still love Ron DeSantis, but they're going to vote for Trump. The people that, you know, we, th- we always think in terms of the people that really hate Trump, how passionate they are. The people that love him are equally passionate about him. Isn't that going to be enough for him to get the nomination? No, no, I don't think it is. Okay. Uh, no, because, and this is, you know, I understand what I'm about to say is anecdotal in nature. Uh, but, you know, once in a while, I haven't done it this year yet, but I did this late last year on my show. I just did a segment where I said, hey, it was after some story, Trump, DeSantis, whatever. I said, hey, let's line up a bunch of calls. Let's burn through as many calls as we can over, you know, 10, 12 minutes and just tell me Trump or DeSantis, give me one sentence on why. Um, and, you know, you're talking talk radio and, that's probably going to be more of a Trump sympathetic uh, person than any other format per se. And if we took 15 calls, you know, nine or 10 of them were DeSantis. And it wasn't that people were against Trump. It was more just, Hey, I love Trump, but was kind of a lot of what we got. And that's me. That's me because I think DeSantis would be the better general election candidate, but I'm not sure DeSantis can beat him in a primary. I look, I mean, when we look at the polling and DeSantis isn't running yet, so you can't really, the, the polling can't be gospel at this point. I, you know, I think DeSantis would by far be the better general election candidate. I, I'm, I'm all in and I love Ron DeSantis. That isn't really my point. I just, I know how passionate the people that were with Trump, there, there's a certain part of the Republican party. They are never leaving that guy. They don't care what he does. They are never leaving him. Now, I don't know how many that is. It just seems to me like it's probably enough. Well, they're never leaving them. That's true. But passion, there's still one vote, right? Mm-hmm. And here's the reality. You know, it depends on how many other people get in the race around DeSantis and and Trump. And, you know, Trump, this sets up perfectly for Trump that there are 10 people that announce they're running and that he's picking off, you know, states at 35, 40 percent, which is kind of what he did when you go back to 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you had 16 candidates in there. And they all thought Trump was going to eventually implode and they would swoop in. And Trump didn't implode. He just kind of built up victories and got stronger and stronger and stronger. 
Um, if you want to have it mano a mano, Trump DeSantis, I think DeSantis can win that. If it's Trump, DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Mike Pompeo, Tim Scott, Mike Pence, that's perfect for Trump. So Trump's, Trump's best move is to lay low, don't attack these people in the short term, right. let a bunch of them get into the race, let their egos and their big money friends convince them they can be president. And then by the summertime, he's got six to eight candidates he's going up against, and he is just rolling to victory with 40% of the Republican electorate, and that's all he would need in that situation. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's so funny. He's encouraging everybody else to run. He's like, yeah, he got a little sideways with Nikki Haley. I guess he's like, it's okay. Run, run. Like, he's yeah. encouraging all of them. Tim Scott. I love Tim Scott. He says, I love Tim Scott. Smart guy. Run, run. He's like, yeah. everybody get in. Because <laughs> I mean, those people can win. I right. like, I love Mike. I love Mike Pompeo. I love Tim Scott. They can't. There is not an can't avenue win. for them right no, now. No, definitely not. Well, the avenue for Pete Mundo, as we have said, is every morning on KCMO Talk Radio 710. You can also hear it on 103.7 FM. PeteMundo.com is a great place to go. HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Pete, you're the hardest working guy in media in Kansas City. I say it all the time. I don't know how you do it, but then I'm so old, I've forgotten what it's like to be your age. You have all the energy. <laughs> you have all the energy in the world, and the content and everything that you're doing is just remarkable, man. Congratulations on all your success. Well, I appreciate that, Kevin, and uh, you know, being able to be on your show, becoming friends with you, and, and admiring what you do from afar. Uh, before I got to town, you know, just so people know, in sports media, people knew all over the country the name Kevin Keatsman. They knew your show in town, and to see you kicking ass on this podcast and getting to be a part of it's a lot of fun. So uh, I've enjoyed you know our friendship and professionally and personally, and uh, thrilled to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC. To get exclusive patrons-only podcasts, receive a weekly newsletter, and attend in-person patrons-only parties, visit kkhasissues.com and become a patron today. This has been a production of Crooked Tail Media Incorporated. Ah!